like to welcome you to Grace Community today. We're glad you came. Maybe this is the first time you've been with us and you're with some friends or maybe you've been here for a while. We're glad to have you back. Thanks for choosing Grace today. If you've never been here, you'll find out that we're imperfect people uh, and uh, we're not going to be someone that you see that doesn't sin, but by God's grace, he picks us up every day. And we're grateful that his mercies are new every day. And we could not do life without Jesus. We want you to know that Jesus loves you. And we love you too. And if you're looking for a place to call home, um, you're welcome to worship with us. And I'm sure you could find a place here where you'll grow and you'll learn and, and even find a place to serve. So just welcome to Grace Community today on this brisk, snowy day. My thought has always been, if it's going to be wintertime and it's going to be cold out, you might as well have snow on the ground. So praise God for the snow, and uh, it is a God-created thing. Snow is, and so we're rejoicing him today for that. Time literally is a great commodity. You can never buy time. You can't go and say, I want more time. Can I go to this bank? I'm going to make an investment. I'm going to go to a time bank and say, here, I'm going to give you this money so I can buy this many more months, this many more years, this uh, another lifetime. The Bible says that man is destined to die once and then face judgment. Time is something that we can never get back. Time is always moving. And just take a look at these hourglasses that we have up here. Just consider that this is your life. And it's slipping away right now. Every one of us has been appointed a certain amount of time. And even as this service goes on today, your life is literally being lived out in front of you and you can never get this time back. You can't go back and say, I want to redo. I want to do this time over. It's impossible. Once that minute has snapped, once that second is gone, one, two, three, gone, you can never get that time back. So we have to live in such a way, as the Bible says, to redeem the time, to, to, to take the time that he's given us and live it the way he wants us to live it. Many of us understand this better than others, that we've only been given a certain amount of time and then we face death. Some of you have been given warnings over this past year. A terminal illness has fallen on you or a father or mother, brother or sister, or even a boss or coworker. And they've gotten this report that said you have four to six months to live. Some of you have even are experiencing the effects of older age, where you're realizing that time is getting shorter, whereas one time you thought you had forever to live, now you're realizing I'm getting closer to that point of time where I, life will come to an end. And so it's important that we do something with this time here that affects eternity. There is an eternity after we pass away. And so God has shown us through his word, and it's real clear, that you have to make decisions, I need to make decisions that affect the rest of eternity. Family is also a big part of our relationship on earth. Family is important. All of you have some sort of family. Maybe it's a new family. You have some new friends. But family is a big piece of this thing we call life. Billy Graham, who is a person in, in, in the world that we live in today, who's in his 90s, said this about time. Just listen to what he said. Here's an, here's an older man talking about time. He says, days were plentiful and cheap when I was young, like penny candy. I always had a pocket full and spent them casually. 
Now my supply is diminished, and their value has soared. Each one becomes worth its weight in the gold of dawn. Then he said, suddenly I live in unaccustomed thrift, cherishing hours the way lovers prize moments. Even that, that when the week is ended, it seems I've gone through another fortune. A day doesn't go as far as it used to. In light of that, while we're on earth, we want to do life with people. Every decision that you make is connected to a relationship. And so family is very important. My family is important to me that I have. Josh, Hannah, Isaiah, and Anne, very important. My extended family, my mother, my father, my father-in-law, my stepfather, my, my, my siblings, and my aunts, and my uncles. It's part of this family. I love spending time with family. You're a part of my family. You're the family of God. It's, it's, it's very, very valuable to Anne and I. We, we enjoy spending time with family. And some people will go to great extremes to bring family together especially when they know their time is short. Even the Christmas season, it's a time for us to spend time with others. And maybe it's the church family that you cherish. Let me show you where a man literally faked his death so that his family could spend time with them. They received these notices that their father had passed away. And so they're going back to his home, going back to his house to gather. They had gotten so busy with life that they neglected spending time with their father. And their father went to this measure to spend time with them. Watch this. I never told Hallo Papa, ich bin Ich wollte nur kurz anrufen und dir Bescheid geben. Wir werden es Weihnachten dieses Jahr wieder nicht schaffen. Wir versuchen es nächstes Jahr und dann klappt es ganz bestimmt. Fröhliche Weihnachten, Papa. Bis bald. Fröhliche Weihnachten, Opa. There goes a day, there goes a week So many goals I had to reach The more I did, the less I cared The more I missed the love you've shared If life is a song, somehow it's sad I don't know the words without your dad You've been on my mind all the time And I miss saying you Home used to be just some walls that I know But the truth is that home means nothing without you Wie hätte ich euch denn sonst alle zusammenbringen sollen? We can never get time back. Time is a precious, precious gift from God. And the truth is this. You don't know how much time you have left. And when we're young, we think we have more time. When we first get married, we think we have 20, 30, or 40 years. Just this week, 
a friend of mine had a daughter that gave birth to a child that lived for 14 hours, never thinking that their daughter would have a premature child that would die. And this grandfather-to-be was already talking about what it was going to be like. This past week, I have a close friend that comes to Grace, spent time with one of his best friends the night before, talking about business ventures and talking about the time they had spent together, said goodbye to him. The next morning, his friend died after suffering a massive heart attack here in Middlebetter, Indiana. We don't know how much time we have. And we should never take it for granted. And even throughout this message today, your life is slipping away. And you can never get this time back. And because of that, we must make a decision with the time that we have that impacts everything. Just listen to me. Don't even turn it. Just listen to what the Bible says about time. Revelation Chapter 12 and verse 12 says, The devil is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Even our enemy knows his time is short. So he is on this bent. He's filled with fury and wrath, trying to pull you away and take him with you. Psalm 90 and verse 12, the psalmist says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. James said this in James 4.14, You and I are a mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. Job chapter 14 and verse 5 said, A person's days are numbered. You have decreed them, God, the number of his months, and have set limits. He cannot exceed. There is a limit, and only God knows when that time will end. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 13 even gives us a time when we know that that God's coming back for his own. And it says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour that he will come again. We've only been given so much time. And behind me is an hourglass, which represents a life. And you and I live a certain allotted number of days. And But once that time is gone, we can never get it back. And so just for the sake of an illustration today, just just say that this is your life. This scoop of sand that's going in an hourglass is your life. You only have this much time to live. This is what God has decreed. This is what God has determined for you. And for some, maybe it's a half a scoop or a quarter scoop, but We must do something with this time that God has given us that affects eternity. Because one day, you and I will come to the end of our time, and our days will be numbered. And sometimes we don't think about that. But the reality is this. This is your life. And one day, your life will come to a screeching halt, and it will be all gone. And once your time has passed, you can never go back and do anything else with that time. You can't change anything's happened with your life with that time. It is gone forever. Yet the Bible reminds us that we must do something with this time. We must 
market. We must have a point that we made decisions because our lives are full of decisions. And what we do with this time affects eternity. Grab your Bibles and I'm going to show you what I mean and turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up or ushers will put one in your hand. Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to read, actually begin in verse 26 of chapter 3. And we're going to see what God did and why it's important to think about time and why there's been these appointed hours of time and and why, why there was a time long ago before the foundation of the world that God appointed a time for Jesus to come at a perfect time at Christmas and why that's so important to us. Stand with me and we'll read it out loud together. Galatians chapter 3, we're going to read verse 26 to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7. Look at Galatians chapter 3, 26, and we'll read through the chapter 4, verse 7. Let's read it. Ready, read. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave. And though he owns the whole estate, The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, Christmas, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You may have a seat. Let me just summarize what Paul is saying there in case you've never walked through this passage. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that you and I would need someone to redeem us of our sin. We're born with sin. And so from the foundation of the world, before the world was created, before you and I were created, God appointed, God adopted, God said, I want you to be my child. And he had this plan in motion. And this plan has been in motion way before the foundation of the world that, that human beings are sinful, And because they're sinful, I must send someone to come and bridge the gap between you, me, and God. There is this gap that separates us from God, and it's because of our sin. The Bible says it this way, just it says, "For, for all have sinned, including me, and fall short, fall short of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because we've fallen short, our sin separates. We can't get to a holy God. It's impossible for us to stand with a a, a holy, perfect God being a sinful person. So God, before the foundation of the world, put this plan in motion at a perfect time, in the fullness of time. He set it into place and he called it Christmas. He sent his son to earth 
And his son lived on earth for 30 plus years. And at the end of his life on earth, he died on the cross. Why? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. And it was a perfect, listen, God that took all of our sins, your sins, my sins, the sins we'll commit this afternoon. And now we can get to God because there's this great gorge otherwise. We can't step through it. We can't earn it. We can't do anything good to get to God. But God said, Jesus is the answer. And that's what Christmas was. Now think about that for a second. Look what Paul said in in Galatians chapter four. He says this, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his what? What's the word? Son, born of a what? Come on, help me out. There's a lot of your Bibles in your hands. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to what those? Redeem those under the law that we may receive what? What's the word? Adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, you are no longer a what? But God's what? And since you are his child, God has made you also and what? That's Christmas. Like, that's the nutshell of Christmas. So when Christmas comes around every year, it's a celebration that Jesus came, was born to a virgin woman, lived on earth, ministered for the last, as we understand, three years of his life and then died on the cross for our sins. It's a beautiful picture. And because of that, through faith, we now are children of God, verse 26. In verse 29, we are now heirs of God. In verse four, Jesus came at a perfect time to rescue us. Christmas, literally, listen, it's a story of rescue of a God that loves you so incredibly much that he said, I can't let you stay in that condition of sin. Here's a gift. And Paul describes it as an indescribable gift. And his name is Jesus. That's Christmas. And then he says, if we accept this gift, this free gift, and it's a free gift. Here, here, it's yours today that you now can get to God. You don't have to earn it. You just accept it. And when we do, we are now heirs of God. Pause and consider what that means to you. When you personally have trusted in Jesus and the Lord as your savior, you are loved eternally by God who created the universe. And now you are his heir. And so because of that, our security is in the work of Jesus, not in our own works. We should never be insecure because you have a father. You might not have a physical earthly father anymore. You might not have a a physical earthly mom anymore. You might not have any kind of family anymore on earth. But listen to me, if you are a child of God, you have an eternal family forever. You never have to be insecure Way too many of us place all of our security and family here. But God is saying, listen, I want you to be part of my family. That's what Christmas is. It's a beautiful picture of God rescuing us. And then he says, by the way, you don't have to earn this love. You don't have to, have to go to church every week and you don't have, to, have to, to, to love your neighbor every single day. You don't have to do all, you don't like check off the 54 times. If you do it, if you go to church, 
30 times this year, you're in. No, there's nothing we can do to ever earn our salvation and this gift. God already did all the work through his son, Jesus. We don't have to add to his work. We just need to freely accept it. He loves us unconditionally. His love is not based on our actions or good works. It's, it, it's not conditional and it never changes. And our obedience to him does not make God love us more. But his love for us compels me. Like when I think about, man, God, before the foundation of the world, you chose me. Like sinful Jim Brown. Like there's nothing good in me, God. Why would you let me be in your family? And when I know that, it compels me. Like I want you to have what I have. It's so good, it's not supposed to stop with me. God did not pick you because you are awesome. God picked you because he is awesome. And when you know that, it changes your life forever. Think about this. Here's the picture. Paul's trying to describe this. He hand-selected you. When you know someone wants you on their team, it's a game changer. God does not pick us or love us based on our abilities. Think about Think of, just, just think about your own personal life. How many times have, have you been part of, there's been a captain and they pick a team. Maybe it's been a chess team. Maybe, maybe it's been a basketball, volleyball, track. I, I, maybe, maybe it's choir. Maybe it's, I, I don't know what it, but somehow you had someone that was in charge and they picked teammates. Now, when you have a coach or someone picks you and they say, I want you to be on our team. It's not like you're left there. Yeah, come with me. We don't, that's not the picture we get from God. It's like, listen, I want you to be on our team. And when you're hand selected and then you're hand picked, not because you're really good at being on the team, not because you have this to offer and that to offer and analogy, not because if you're on a basketball team, you can hit a jump shot or you can rebound or you can block out or you can defend. God doesn't pick us based on our ability. He just picks us because he loves us. And when you know you're picked, not based on your ability, you don't wake up day and night trying to find approval from your God. He already loves you. That's incredible. Our world doesn't work that way. You don't need to prove yourself. You just need to receive this gift. This gift is so incredible. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says it this way. He tried to describe what Jesus did at Christmas. He said, Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhoods. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he just didn't stay in heaven and leave us to ourselves in our sinful state, never to be redeemed, never to be saved, never to be rescued, and headed to hell? But he wouldn't. He loves us. God is the Father, and you have been adopted by him. That's what this passage says. We didn't choose our father, he chose us. I love the whole adoption process. And I know some, have some dear friends that have adopted some precious, precious kids. And it's one of the reasons I love Asia's Hope because we, as a church, have been able to rescue these kids that no one wanted. We're saying we're gonna be with you until you get on your feet. And adoption is such a beautiful thing because here's the deal. Like you get to pick who you want. In some cases, you go to the orphanage or, and, and you pick out, like, I like you, and I, like, I, I want you. And so when you know someone picks you out of a group of people and says, I want you to be part of my family, there's this intrinsic love that you have for the person that adopted you. God adopted us. Before the foundation of the world, 
He didn't pick us based on our abilities. Listen, the only thing you and I had to offer God before he chose us was our sin. There was no good in us. Incredible love. That's what Christmas is. He moved from his world to our world to love us and show us the way home. And by the way, his travel plans often get overlooked at Christmas. We forget what he had to go through to get here. We neglect to realize that Jesus was something pretty spectacular before he was born in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. You ever think about that in our world? Let me, let me ask you a question. Would, would you have left heaven, come down to this? Would you have left heaven to come down to a place where people would spit on you, curse you, stab you, and literally eventually take you to the... Why would you love a group of people that were going to kill you? Only because of love. I mean, who would leave that? Like, like that's the job that everyone wants. Then, and every day of his life when he was in heaven, they bowed. Hey, Jesus is coming. Bow down and worship. He sat with the three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But there was this moment in time before the foundation of the world when God was looking at this plan that he was putting into place. And he was showing us this incredible plan. It says someone needs to rescue these people because they will sin. And so the only option they had was the three in one. There weren't anybody else. And somewhere on the halls of heaven, there was this discussion about death and cross and, 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 and a crown of thorns. And, and Jesus willingly, the Bible says, surrendered and said, I'm going to go. Why? Because he loves us. Think about that for a second. Who in their right mind would die for people they didn't even care at all about you? Jesus would. Philippians 2 even says it this way. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Are you kidding me? Give me like 30 seconds to be God. I'm never giving it up. Seriously, would you? Why would you give up the rights of God in heaven? He didn't consider equality with God something. Are you kidding me? Why? Because he loves us. In verse 7 says he made himself nothing. There was no birth notice in Jerusalem news that said royalty had arrived. There was little time for that because as soon as Jesus was born, this king called Herod, the Bible tells us, put out this, this baby genocide wish. He said, kill every newborn son two years and under. He wanted to kill him from the moment Jesus was born in the stable, in the manger with Mary. There was a death notice on his back. There was death wanted all through Jerusalem and Bethlehem. They wanted to kill him. And Jesus knew that would be the case, but he still came. That's what Christmas is. He reduced himself to nothing. Paul describes it like this in regards to this, this airship. He says, now we are children, then, then, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. And then he, then he says this in Ephesians 1.3, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Everything that Jesus has has been given to his children. That's you and I who know him everything. Like, why would he do such a thing? Because he loved us. He didn't want to leave us in our sinful state. He had this plan, and it's Jesus. 
God says, I'm sending my one and only son into the world. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We should be consumed by that truth. <laughs> Seriously, that, that, that should, when you got out of bed this morning, you should have just ran straight out through the snow and said, Woo! You should wake up every day and, say, and breathe the oxygen and say, Woo! Even if this is my last minute, guess what? I have an eternity with Jesus Christ. I don't care what comes my way. I don't care what pain is on my doorstep. I don't care how broke I am. I got Jesus. Every single day of our lives. We should be consumed with that truth. And no one ever can pluck us from the Father's hand. See, here's my truth. You want just, just, this is just Jim. Just take preacher off of Jim. I want you to have what I have. It is so good, and it will change your life, and it is Jesus. Nothing else can. I don't tell you about Jesus because I get paid to do it. I told people about Jesus as soon as I could understand, four or five years old. Why? Because he radically changed my life forever. So in addition to that, not only does he save us, we have, we have an inheritance from him. And by the way, earthly inheritance are limited because we have no guarantee that we'll be around to use them. Maybe some of you are like, you're, you're, you're in this like, you know, my dad's going to pass this money on to me. My mom's going to pass this money on to me. My uncle, uh, may, maybe, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's someone that you did something good for, they really liked you, and you just, well, I can't wait till they die. You don't tell people that, but y'all can't wait because I got this coming. But here's the reality. Earthly inheritance are limited because we have no guarantee that we will be around to use them. Your life could be snuffed out today. The Bible tells us that our days are numbered. Life is short, but eternity is forever. And the devil wants us to believe that earthly possessions are the best. Let me tell you something. They're not. You could have everything and still be lost. This week, I Googled just this, curious. And here's what I typed in. When I Googled it, about 300,000 people Googled it too. Rich people and their children's inheritance. I wanted to see what rich people do with their inheritance. I wanted to see how well, we understand multimillionaires and billionaires do with their money. And I read story after story. I looked at some of the richest people on the planet Many will not even leave anything to their children to inherit. There are people, this guy was a billionaire. He says, I will not leave my child a dime. I want them to earn it. I want them to know what it means to work. I want them to know that things shouldn't just be given to them. I want them to know that nothing's free. And I would think, well, you've never met Jesus Christ then. Then I read this. I read where one billionaire had three kids. And he limited the number of dollars he would give his children. He gave them each 15 million. Well, praise God for that, huh? Can you imagine having 15 million? But in comparison to a billion? Now imagine if you can, how that might shape your life. As a 15-year-old kid, if you knew when you turn 18, <laughs> it would change your life, wouldn't it? Like, Hey, by the way, why are you working? 
$15 million when you're 18, it would change the way you would plan your life. It would change the way you would anticipate your life. But the reality is that it's an earthly possession. They might not even make it to 18. Even Simon Cowell, we understand, was worth an estimated $325 million, plans to leave his children nothing. But guess what God does for his kids? Bible says that what he inherits to us, it'll never rust or rot. It's guaranteed, and it's called eternal life, and you will have him with you forever. And when the Lord becomes your shepherd, you will never be in want. That's what God gives you. So why did Jesus come in the fullness of time at the right time? Why is Christmas and the birth of Jesus so very important? Because we need to be rescued. And it all began a long time ago. Genesis chapter 3. If you're not familiar, Genesis chapter 3, man was created. God said, and let there be, let, let there be light, let there be earth, let there be water. And then he created man, and out of the man, he took a rib, and he created a woman. And man woke up and said, whoa, woman, she pretty. And they had this perfect garden. They had everything that they needed. But there was this slimy serpent called Satan who came and tempted them and said, listen, why would God allow you to have all that and not let you eat from that one tree? Tempting them. And if you eat from that one tree, go ahead, bite, 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 bite. You will be like God. And so they took the bait and they ate the fruit. And what's the Bible say? They hid from God. Why? Because they sinned. It says that they were in shame and guilt. And, and God came in the garden. He says, where is the man? He was hiding. And it says that they, they took figs of leaves and they covered themselves for the first time. Why? Because they wanted to hide. They felt shame and guilt because sin had entered a perfect garden. Yet God already had in motion that someone needed to redeem these people. And so he had in motion that after this point of time, there would be this date, as we understand, called Christmas. And Jesus became the redeemer of our sins. There was panic in the garden. And so God began this relentless pursuit to rescue his own. And God would always love his children and be on a relentless journey to rescue them. So we've all been given a certain amount of time. Think about that again right now. You and I have been given a certain amount of time. And day after day, we use it. There's your life. There's your time. There's your life. There's your time. Some is shorter. Some is longer. And the reality is this, is that we've only been given a certain amount of days. And what we do with those days And what we do in that moment of time will impact eternity. And there must be one moment of time in this thing called life where God scours and says that man is destined to die once and then face judgment. And at this judgment, there's got to be some place in this thing called life. There's got to be one hour, one minute, one moment where, where we believed and we trusted in Jesus Christ. And if we haven't, then the Bible tells us that, that he says, depart from me. I never knew you. There must be one moment because once this life is gone, we can't go back and say, God, I believe now. God, I understand now. God, I know what my friend's been telling me. Let me, let me have a second chance. No, once your time is gone, it is gone. 
But the good news is this. You're still here. Jesus tried to describe this to a group of people about the importance of this decision. And just listen to what Jesus said to these people. In the book of Matthew, Jesus said this in regards to making that decision. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 to 23, it says, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name work many miracles? And then Jesus said, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Jesus will scour through your life. He'll he'll dig through everything. And there must be some moment in your life where you truly receive this free gift called salvation. Because if you don't depart from me, I never knew you. Let me just pull off the, the coat to this and be very transparent. This whole account has no meaning to me this Christmas. And here's why. Because I love being part of the family of God. And the greatest gift that's ever been given to me by my kids and our kids for enemy is to know that my children know Jesus Christ and have received that gift too. And here's why that's so important to us. Because if I die today at 54 years old, here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Even last night when I went to bed, I was thinking about this. Even if I die, I can be rest peacefully knowing Because of Jesus Christ and the work on the cross and the gift of salvation, when I breathe my next breath, I am in the presence of Jesus guaranteed. I don't have any fear of that. And the other good news is this. When my kids know that dad or mom has passed away, they will see me again. Why? Because we are part of the family of God. God chose us, adopted us, and we freely received that gift. So this account has new meaning to me this Christmas season as I've watched my mom begin to lose her memory. We placed her in an Alzheimer's home. There's nothing like it. And some of you, you understand this, and many of you understand it, and you've encouraged my heart. It's not that we, that, that we doubt or fear. I try to describe it this way. Alzheimer's, it's like you're watching your mom. She's there, but you're having a funeral for her every single day. But the good news is this. I know that I know that I know there will be a day when I will see my mom fully functioning with ability to talk and remember and dancing with Jesus and I'll dance with her again. It's also been, this year has been very, very close to me when I think about these kind of decisions. A little over two months ago, my dad died suddenly. And my sister and I, one of my siblings, were the executors of the will. And so we're handed this will. He inherited things to his children. And so we're walking through this will, and I'm so grateful that my dad lived such a simple life. If you went to his house, he had a couch and a chair and a TV, and his house was full of pictures of his kids and his grandkids. And the table that was in his kitchen is one that I made him 25 years ago, and it's in my home now. He lived such a simple life. He made it simple. My dad understood because he got saved when I was 18 years old. 
And he was delivered from this, this past that, that, was, that, 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 that he would have ended up far away from God. And so here's what I know. When I stood at my dad's coffin and preached at his funeral a little over two months ago, his body was there. Listen to me. But his soul was with Jesus. I'll see him again. You see, there was a moment in time when he trusted in Jesus. And even though my dad is, has, has given us and inherited us these things, the most incredible gift that my dad gave me and my sisters is that we know that we'll spend eternity with him because he trusted in Jesus Christ. It's the best gift you can ever give a family member. Some of you have friends here today. Listen, the best gift you can give your friend is for them to know that you'll spend eternity together with Jesus. Dad left behind some simple things, but nothing compares to this incredible gift of salvation. You will never get this time back. But you do have this moment right now. You know, I came across this poem. And I don't want to be this friend. And so the reason I tell you this truth today is not because I'm your pastor. It's because I really, really want you to be part of the family of God. I don't want to be like this friend. And I'm not going to be that friend. Listen to this. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth, I walk with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we live together here on earth, you never told me of a second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things that's true. I called you friend and trusted you. But I learn now that it's too late. And you could have kept me safe from this fate. We walked by day and talked by night. And yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die. You knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you through joy and strife. Yet on coming to this dreadful end, I cannot now call you my friend. Let me just pause and hit this moment of time that's very critical for you. You only have so much time. And there must be a moment in time, the Bible says, that we confess with our mouth, that we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says we will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity away from God in hell. There must be a moment in time where you've trusted and freely accepted this gift. The Bible says it's by grace through faith that you're saved, not by works. You can't earn it. You can't do it. Hear me out. This is the point where the enemy, whose time is short, the Bible says, wants to tell you this. Here's what he wants to tell you. You're not clean enough to come to God. There's no way he would. You got to get your life together. And here's how God wants to come to you today. He wants to convince you that you need to wait. Or, or Satan wants to come to you and convince you that you need to wait. Listen to me. Today is the day of salvation. You don't know. I don't know. We don't know how much time we have left. But you have this moment in time. Please. Of all the decisions that you've ever made, 
Make certain that you've trusted in Jesus Christ. Paul described it as the indescribable gift. And when you do, you are now heirs, co-heirs with Christ. And every spiritual blessing has been given to you. And when you think you can't go on, you don't have to walk in your own power and strength. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Christmas in a nutshell. Here's what I know to be true. Every man wonders. Every man wonders what's on the other side. Every man wonders what happens after this. Every man or woman has a point in their life when they, they're all alone. Maybe it's at nighttime when you have your head on the pillow and, or maybe a friend's been telling you and you wonder, is there really life on the other side? Does it really matter if we trust it in Jesus? Every single person wonders. Listen to me. It's true. Jesus came at Christmas, lived 33 years, died on the cross. And before he died, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Please, no one leave. This is too important. There's no decision more important than this decision. I want to ask you a personal question. As you look back over your life, all that time that has already filtered away and gone, is there a moment in time where you trusted in Jesus alone, where the Bible says you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you ask him to be the Lord and leader of your life? There must be a place where you drove a stake in the ground and trusted in Jesus. And when you do, you have eternal life and you will never perish. And all that's in Christ is yours and you have inherited everything that Christ has. So how do you do that? The Bible makes it so simple. It's not complex. It says this, if we confess and believe that Jesus is Lord, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. The Bible says this, it's by grace through faith, not by works. You don't have to earn it. We're not going to require you to do something. It's free. It's the only gift that's free that gives you eternal life. Let me ask you a question. Do you know that you know that if your life ended today, that you would spend your eternity with Jesus? Please, don't leave these rooms in the link and don't leave the main. And, and if you're listening by the internet, listen, just keep glued to that, that, that screen and trust in Jesus. If that's you, would you, the Bible says we can do that. We, we declare with our mouths. And here's how we declare with our mouths. I'm gonna give you a chance. You're gonna declare with your mouth, confess with your mouth. I want you to pray this prayer quietly in your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I understand what Christmas is all about now. I need you. I'm a sinful person. and Please forgive me of my sin. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I trust in you and the work on the cross. And I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. I surrender my will, my way. And Jesus, this decision right here 
has changed my life forever. I'm going to bring you home this Christmas. And I thank you, Jesus, for that. I'm going to ask you to stand and just with your heads still bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to do something. In the main, in the link. Please, please, no one leave. No one leave. No one looking around. Just this is you and me talking to you. No one, no one looking around. This is, this is a holy moment. If you just trusted in Jesus and you said, Pastor Jim, I'm part of the family of God. Like, it makes sense to me. And it may for some of you, like, I don't even know what's next. Well, next is get plugged into a church somewhere and start learning about Jesus. Or maybe a friend's with you and say, what do I do next? You just say, Pastor Jim, today it made sense. And I surrender my life to Christ. And today was the day. If that's you, like we had many in the first service that already did, I just want you to do something. I think it's important that you acknowledge that between God and the witnesses. And just, just slip your hand up. Just hold up. Just me and you. I'm just, you and me looking at each other. Just hold up. Listen, don't be shameless. Just get it up. Loud and proud. This is the best thing you ever made. Lord, all over this auditorium. I'm going to ask you to lower your hand. And first, God, I'm going to pray for these precious, precious, like, Lord, they're my new brothers and sisters. They're part of the family of God. Like, that's just awesome. Like, I love you. I just want to let you know you're my new sis. You're my new brother. We're going to spend eternity together. Like, that excites me. Like, like you just added like 10 years to my ministry life. It's the best decision you've ever made. Lord, I pray for your favor on them. I pray that now that God lives in them, that you help them understand. And I pray that you'll surround them with other Christians who want to help them grow. I pray, Lord, that they'll connect to a church and help them realize they don't need to be perfect, that they will fall down, but God, your grace picks them back up. And I pray, God, that they change the world for you. I pray that their, their husbands and their wives and their kids and their aunts and uncles and their, their co-workers get to hear about Jesus too. And there's this rippling effect of salvation that changes Elkhart County forever. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. and Just look here. Everyone, look here. We have this bucket. Buckets. We've got all kinds of buckets. We've got scoops. And we want you to do something. If you're in the link, listen up. Pastor Jordan's at the back of the auditorium. He's, he's there. He's going to be standing there. Pastor Jordan, you can see him. And he wants you to come over here and do this. And if you're in the main here, I just want you to come. It's pretty simple. It's saying, symbolically, I just took my life. That on this moment of time, I'll never get back. But there was a moment that I fully trusted in Jesus. And I just want you to come up here, like many have already had in the first service, and just say, I did it. And it's because of the work of Jesus. And you know what? There will never be a day that anyone can ever take that from you. Then I want you to walk over. Pastor John will meet you over here. I want you to come over to our tree. We'd love for you to have this ornament. It's pretty, pretty cool. And you can hang it on your tree this year. And then every year, just, just hang it. As a reminder that on Christmas, December the 18th at Grace Community Church, listen, I became part of the family of God. I took that one minute of time, and because of the work of Jesus Christ, I'm saved forever. Amen? Now I'm going to ask you to do something. Here, here's, where, here's where the enemy wants you to come and say, 
Well, you can't, you can't walk across that stage. Why would you do that? What would people think? They will rejoice. They will rejoice. So I'm going to ask you to come. Come over here to my stage left. Come over from the link. Pastor Jordan's going to get you to the bullpen over here. And just symbolically come and just dump that sand five or six at a time. Hop up on the steps and, and then meet Pastor John at the tree. And let's, let's rejoice. Because when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. So come, just come. I ask you to come.